Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast that beats dead horses 1d6 damage at a time. But what if what you thought was a horse was merely the horse-like physical expression of an ancient race of basically elves? And everything else was, too. Like your, like your garbage disposal was just some elf shoveling wet pasta into his mouth while saying, It's a living! Well, you'd probably be playing Amethyst Foundations, which is what we're going to talk about today on System Mastery. And welcome back. It's me, your host, Jeff, and also with me, your host, John. Oh, my goodness. It's both of us. Oh, no. How often are we in the same room together to do this show? It's rare that we manage to pull this off. Yeah. How could we possibly ever manage to do this? Yeah. So this is a real treat for the listeners, isn't it? Just a real squishy treat for them. First time in what God, it feels like two weeks. Like like an aural gusher. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, everyone should, uh, this is like, this is our ultimate. That the two of us are able to be here now at this time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, despite our schedules. It's like, you know, the the Beatles on the rooftop. Mm-hmm. That's, That's us. It. That's where the Beatles on the rooftop. <laughs> Beatles on the rooftop. So, uh, click, click, <laughs> click. <laughs> Santa has a dick the size of a shoe. <laughs> you don't remember what that's from, but I do. <laughs> that's good. I'm glad you do. I'm glad you remember. I remembered something. I'm Yay. glad Pepperidge Farm remembers. That's the Santa Claus movie mastery we did. All three episodes of all three Santa Claus movies at once. Yeah. Yeah. Where we, we just went insane. We went insane towards the end and we were adding Santa as a dick the size of a shoe to all of our Christmas carols. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's just yeah. we're bringing it back. Just bringing it all back. Anyway, uh, <laughs> what do we do here on System Mastery? We go find old role playing games and we talk about them. And this week we have Amethyst foundations yes indeed this is a real treat it's a rarity because it is one of the very few games that is dnd 4e based because you got so much third ed shovelware because of the ogl yes and you got just a ton of like nowadays people trying to replicate you know old Beckme, Second Ed, mm-hmm. stuff like that in their games now. Yes, because you can't technically copyright rules. Exactly. Yeah. So, so people are. But uh, this is a rarity in that it's the licensing system for Fourth Edition. Uh, it, no yeah. one really wanted to use this. Yeah, because it's hard. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> as we will find out in this, it actually takes effort and an eye for design to do something for Four E instead of just being like, "What did you do? Uh, this is." A, it's a Character fighter class and yeah. it gets a feat and the feats are you can do whatever my class is better well i don't give a shit anyway here yeah you just be like it's a fighter but instead of gaining a feat every other level it's every third and instead of instead of because that slow down progression every other level you get a plus one to a skill of your choice and i call it the bad fighter and here's a prestige class for it yeah it was it was so easy to write shit class prestige classes in particular opened up the ogl too just be waste grounds of crap that just oh yeah haunts the fields because 
in third ed, you could be like, what do you do? Well, I take some classes, everything. So their base attack bonus, their save progression, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't need to think about that. Yeah. And then I just go, all right, I got 20 levels, which means I need to come up with about mm, five things that they do and just say every level they yeah. get a better version of that. They'll just spread the five things I thought of out so they all happen once every three levels or something. And then we'll put one cool thing at level 20. Uh, which is the hallmark of the shittiest possible design, the assumption that anyone will ever take their character to max level and play there. Oh, yeah. When they're like, hey, what'd you do? Well, I made a character who's kind of garbage, but all of these disparate nonsense things really come together at 20, and you're like, don't do that. Don't stop. Stop that forever. No one's playing at 20. But anyway, uh, enough dumping on the OGL for no reason, because this game specifically contains no OGL content, right down to the point where when you open up the book, like... The first page actually says that in large text. This is not OGL. There it is. This product, product contains no open game content. There you go. They had to put that in there because it's it's for use with 4th edition, but the licensing system had changed between 3rd and 4th. Kind of trying to, you know, well, yeah, stop I mean, uh, the flow of bullshit. Also, because if you picked up a game and on the back you're like, oh, this says it's uh, a D&D thing, and you don't really read the fine print that mm-hmm. says 4th edition, you're like, oh no, I wanted the millionth book for my third edition so yeah god damn i have so many of those i had so many of them before we started doing this show and now that people mail them to me yeah it's just a lot i have a third of a wall dedicated to these things that are just like hey what if third edition but you're a superhero okay uh, sure. why are you trying to fit that peg this super piro shaped peg into this D shaped hole <sighs> So Amethyst. Amethyst is a fourth edition one, which means they actually did the work. They did a lot of work to make this exist. There are four new classes in this game. Yeah. And with that, it means you've got to come up with a whole ton of at-wills. You've got to come up with utilities, encounters, dailies, and Class a selection powers. of them yeah. for every level that you get them. Plus paragon paths that make sense for each one of them. Uh, and, and a new feat structure for each one of them. Yeah, I, I mean, to, one of the common complaints about 4th edition is that it is hard to write custom crap for it, and that is absolutely fair. Each oh, class yeah. is a huge amount of work. No, the fact that there are four entirely new classes in here is fairly impressive. I mean, they do put in a decent amount of the Paragon path things, because those are much easier. That's basically just... Like, three passives, three active powers, you get, like, two attacks and a utility in there, and you're basically done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paragon paths are a lot easier to write, because you don't have to write nearly as much stuff. Uh, but th- these classes, especially because 4th edition also went through the process of codifying roles uh, within parties, so you had leaders and defenders and strikers and, and controllers, uh, which needed to have some powers that reinforced their roles that were cooked into the basics of the class. So even if, no matter how weird you made your character, if you were a cleric, you always had the basic healing spirit spender for, that you could hand out to other people as a minor action. Yeah. Now, the that's going to be one of the things about Amethyst in their character creation. While they did go to the trouble to make a ton of new things, and of course, a bunch of powers and a whole bunch of nonsense in there... <sighs> The one thing they kind of skimped out on is one of the more interesting parts of 4th edition character where you had sort of within the character paths you could go down. Oh, yeah, So if yeah, you yeah. were like, I'm a, like inspiring warlord or a tactical warlord, yeah. and you'd find powers that had 
things in them that specifically say like, oh, if you're a tactical warlord, you do this with this power. Right. It was a hallmark of the design and, and of the... 20-some character classes that they eventually, maybe 30-some character classes they eventually produced for D&D that were non-essential uh, characters. Only one of them didn't have that. Yeah. Uh, so so it's weird. All four of the classes in this book don't do that. They don't have the path. And, and then also the power rewards built in that, that reference the path. Yeah, because they all sort of split into things where they're like, oh, this is sort of the two ways you could go. So you could have, you know, like, Two one-handed weapons or one big two-hander. Yeah, or, or your you range to your your range to your doing two weapons if you're a ranger, for example. Uh, yeah, but with this one, you know, whether it's the two one-handers or the one big two-hander for ranged, or you're like a medic or an engineer, there's not actually a name for that. They don't get like a classification. Yeah. So if I'm the operator class in here. I don't have, like, medic path and engineer path, well, and then when I look at a ability, it says, oh, if you're an engineer, gain your wisdom bonus yeah. to whatever. I mean, the only part of that that's actually missing is that last bit, the little disc uh, riders that are like, hey, if you're this path, because an operator does come in two flavors, or... Uh, yeah, medic and engineer or something like that are, are the two flavors of it. When, uh, but uh, it's just a list of suggestions. It's just yeah. like, hey, if you're a if you're a medic, use these at will powers and this utility power and take this feat. Um, but there's no mechanical support for having chosen medic at any point up the the, the character progression chart. Uh, even the one class in fourth edition that didn't do those path those path rolls did the path rolls. Just they found a different way to make it work, and that was the artificer. Mm hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, I mean, the four classes are interesting, but realistically, they're not the core of the game. There's a lot more to talk about here. So it's a pretty large book. And even though fourth ed, you know, classes and things like that have to give over a fairly decent amount of page space to like abilities, there is a lot given over to world building here because oh, so much, they really had an idea for a setting in mind and mm -hmm. they were like, hey, this is uh, probably a thing that I want to write a novel in, and so <laughs> here's every note that I had for my world-building setting in one book. Yeah, this is definitely a sense, one of those books where the world-building feels very personal to someone. Uh, notably, on the cover of the book, there's a, there's a tagline for the game, which I believe is open your spellbook, load your gun, make a choice. Uh, yeah, the... That the... choice is pretty hard. Uh, <laughs> well, the basic... Uh, idea behind the setting is at some point in time in Earth's history, a gate opens up to the Fey realm and a bunch of elves pour out. Now, when I say elves, they're not called elves. Don't call them elves. No, they are Fey, and they all have individual names like the Gimfin and the Naros and, and the, the Limshao. Uh, Lim, uh, Lim yeah, Limshao and the Tenebri and the Chaparral. Yeah, so there Shapar are Shaparans. There are all of these different things, and they're like, "Oh, we're all different Fey races." Except it pretty much boils down to what is this? Oh, I'm the elf version of a dwarf. Exactly. Every single one of them is the elf version of something. Now, some of them are the elf versions of elves. Yeah, because you've got ones that are like, "What are you? We're elves and we live in trees." Yeah. What are you? Oh, we're elves and we live in like castles Ma in the sky. Places. Yeah. Okay, great. What are you? Oh, we're elves, but we like to live in society. So you're like, okay, cool. We got our three different types of elves. You got your basic elves. Then you got your, what are you? We're elves that live underground and are a little shorter and stockier than the other elves. 
Don't call us dwarves. Great. We've got Gimfin, which are the amalgam of gnomes and halflings, where it's like, what is this? Oh, they love to stay at home and cook, and they, they've got huge appetites, but also they're ridiculous engineers. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, okay, sure. sure. They, they do both the things. They're like, we didn't want to put two different tiny races in here, so we just took the two and mashed them. Yep. And then you've got the, I don't, even, I don't know if it's the final one, the playable ones, the elves but vampire a little bit. <laughs> yeah. There's an entire backstory of like, oh, back in the day, there was like a necromancer who raised a whole bunch of these elves from the dead, and then the necromancer died, and the elves regained like their own free will, but mm-hmm. they're still kind of vampire They're just a little vampire but they are the nicest of elves because they are fighting against their vampire natures. Yeah. Um, so we should go through those. I guess we should start with that and go through them one by one and talk about them because those are the races you're choosing from. Uh, incidentally, right before the the races start, we get a list of you know what should you use from the fourth edition player's handbook in addition to the these races when you're playing in the world. And like John mentioned, the world is at some point in Earth's history, and we're talking like after hover cars and stuff were invented. It's like in the future. Uh, so so there's there's cool guns and there's cool armor and all kinds of stuff like that. But gate opens up, Fey come back. And now there's kind of a tension happening, which we'll explain in great detail later, between elves and what's the one race that's being brought over from 4th edition? Uh, humans. Yep. That's uh, the only one. Yeah. Also, because gods don't really, I mean, people believe in gods and so on, but they don't power anyone up, you need to go ahead and remove Warlock, Paladin, and uh, Cleric, cleric from, the, uh, from the list of class choices. And then we divide the world into two kinds of people, uh, Ekans and Tekans. So when the fey came back to the world, it turns out that all fey creatures, whether they're like little beasts or mm-hmm. the actual like elves, yeah, every single one of them up the list, anything that's magic-y, they emit an electronic disruption field. So uh if a, you know, an elf picks up anything mechanical, it's just going to break. Yes. And that means that as the like magic and whatnot slowly spread over the world, anyone who decided to like let these uh, people in or anyone who went out into the wilderness and decided to join in the whole sword and sorcery thing, eventually they also gained this EDF field. Yes. So there's this very distinct separation between the magical world with you know elves and nonsense running around Mm -hmm. and then these walled off human cities that are full of high tech called bastions yes so there's a bunch of magic humans running around who just were like oh i want to return to nature in the land and be like dude being a wizard sounds tight that's awesome i want to get out there and do that uh versus the very few here's the problem with this it's presented as kind of a binary choice that you're making between being technological and being magic and that there's kind of a tension war going on and maybe it might flare into war but the thing is there's no mechanic by which the technology people catch up every time they go out into the world their their gear starts breaking and some of them turn magic and then they're stuck magic it's an it's a there's a zero there's a there's an end goal yeah see there is no point where it's like oh if you were an elf and you went to a bastion and you didn't use magic at all mm. at some point you would just 
turn non-magical and be able to hang out and your EDF field would go away. Yeah. That doesn't exist. Yeah, so it's a losing battle. Eventually the whole world will be magic and you're just kind of playing in the in the last remnants of technology. So the four classes in this game are the tech classes. They're the they're the classes you can take if you're Tekken only, because uh, if you're Ekken is is short for enchanting or enchanted, and Tekken is short for the video game. Uh, yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah, so you can choose. So you can the, either be enchanted or Virtua Fighter. Yeah, the four classes available are Eddie Gordo, <laughs> Kuma. Yeah, uh, that that panda one. Hachi. Yeah, there. I can't remember any Tekken characters. I'm sorry. I mean, the panda was Kuma. It was just a different skin for the bear. Oh, I thought there were two of them. Well, there was the bear, and then there was like the little kangaroo with boxing gloves. I guess maybe I should just go to the few characters from Tekken I know, and they're just going to be the ones that are like jokes. Doctor Boskanovich, Gun, the one that's a little fat dinosaur. <laughs> well, I mean, one of the classes, actually, most of the classes are, are basically gun. gun. Yeah, well, Gun spelled with no, and it's a little orange dinosaur. <laughs> uh, okay, so. So yeah, they're, they're, the the uh, the world is mostly magic now. Like, the, there's only a few bastions of civilization left, and the, this game book in particular is set in the land of Canum, uh, which is a short shortened form of Canada and America. Yeah, it has been, I think, in world like a couple hundred years mm -hmm. since these portals opened, and at this point, he just took it as an excuse to rename literally everything yeah everything's been renamed and oh my gosh this is the point where the the world building terms start pouring in and it's hard to keep track of and a lot of them aren't actually defined as far as i can tell in this book well yeah he'll say the name of some bastion and some of the times you can be like oh okay i get that you have a bastion called york i assume that means it's built on new york i mean the, the few pictures of people from york they're always posing in front of skyscrapers so i have to assume that yeah york yeah. new york is still kicking around and they've got a bastion called Angels, which I have to be believe is Los Angeles. You yeah. know, stuff like that. Yeah. There are a few that you can get, but then other ones are like, what is this? Oh, it's called Sirkin, and it's in Europe somewhere. And you're like, where? Yeah. Well, you didn't give me a clue. You just said it was in Europe. Maybe it's near the Gate of Ixendar, which formed its own country called Cacodemania. Ugh, uh, go which, which fuck yourself. I don't know where that... Also, the flying gate of Atracana is available. That's... Well, that's out. just the gate that the Fey came through. Yeah, and it's out in orbit. Uh, yeah, because so you have the two gates, the white gate and the black gate. The black gate's on Earth, but it's kind of like half buried in the ground, and the world around it is ruined and necromantic. And the white gate is basically a heaven gate, and it's up in space, and all the Fey came out of it. Yeah. Uh, it was it was hidden behind the Hale Bop Comet the whole time. <laughs> uh, so, oh, by the way, uh, Fey existed before. And they now got sucked into the gate. Yeah. Now they're back. Uh, it's not like another dimension. It's they actually belonged here. And also, it's really important for people to know that the Fae are not an evolved collection of species. They all sprung, fully formed into existence by magic. Yeah, they're all magic formed, which also means they're all basically the same. Like... It says that pretty much their culture didn't evolve mm. over thousands of years because they were just like, what is this? Uh, we sprang into existence being this. Yeah. And then we just stayed that. Yeah. There are offshoots of each one of them, but the offshoot designation is mostly symbolic uh, because, again, all of this, their, their, all of their culture, society, attitudes, all that stuff happened all at once, like in some glorious act of creation. I guess there's some drift among them over millions of years. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it. <sighs> says they weren't evolved but they're 
Like, Basically, do they do the D&D thing where it's like, oh, if an elf spends too much time underground, it can it magically turn into a whatever. Yeah, they keep talking about it. They're like, they're like, uh, oh, no, these are they we want to make a clear distinction that there are three kinds of intelligent species on Earth. There's these fey or the magically created. There's the evolved, which are just humans. And then there's the spawn, which are people who are uh, granted intelligence by the ambient magic field of the world. And the only one of those that exists is the Kodiak, which, you know, that's kind of sad to find out that happened way before we wrote them. Uh, but, but they're just like unimportant bear people that live to the far north. Yeah, you're going to get like a picture of them and a brief description that they are indeed bear people. And that is the end of them. Yeah, but we had to know that there's a third type of evolutionary path to intelligence that exists in the world. Oh, so... So, yeah, the fate, I mean, mostly I'm going to be cynical here for just a second, if I could, John. Uh, No, no, no cynicism here. Mm, Only good times and happiness. All right, then here we go. I'm going to do it in a happy format instead. The great news about this game is that a huge chunk of it, I'd say maybe a quarter of the book's runtime, is given over to explaining how easy and profitable it is to fuck these elves. (laughs) Just to to just fuck them and fuck them and marry them all the day long. Isn't that great? (laughs) There's... There's a lot of information in this book that goes into the, like, background and the customs and the, like, oh, if you meet these type of faith and they believe in these things and this is their general structure and whatnot. But then within all of those, it's always like, and if a human wanted to bone down with one of these guys, yeah. you're like, wait, what? Well, the first, uh, we, we learned pretty quickly that the elves, because they are magically created, are perfectly acceptable with any kind of relationship with anyone. Like, they're, they have no, they have genders, of course, but they don't really care about them for the purposes of relationship forming, and they will, they have every kind of relationship. But, with one very specific rule that, that's important, they are monogamous. Oh, no, there is no polyamory. Yeah. There's not even, like... A divorce rate for the Fae. It's, no, they mate for life. When you are a Fae and you get with someone, you're like, yeah, we're bonded now. Yeah. So uh, so that's something you got to watch out for. You get, you make a choice and you're done. So much so that it magically reinforces how it works between them. Uh, if a human marries an elf and and because bo- they have like a bonding ceremony instead of a ma- instead of a marriage, the human will live longer and the elf will live a shorter time. Yeah, I mean, fey, a fey, a fey. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, they're, they're fey. They're not obviously, not all of them are just obviously elves. There is with good one balance of them, and magic the, and shit. The Damascans are like, oh, it's fine if you call us elves. That's okay. Yeah, we don't give a shit. Yeah, everyone else gets mad at you. We, the uh, the number of instances in this book where it'll be like, oh, these people from Limshaw are a peaceful and and and, and uh, harmonious race, but if you show them, if you wave to them, they'll kill you immediately because that's an insult among their kind. Yeah, there's a lot of, oh, well, these guys have this sort of thing, and this is taboo, and this is fine. Yeah. Which, honestly, it's neat world building, but in practice, it turns into call and response. Well, the other problem is, it got so deep into... It put our asses to sleep. Yeah. The culture, well, yes, honestly, it did get so deep into the culture, it put me to sleep. (laughs) But... It has so much information about, like, oh, this is what they are, and I decided to say that they never change. They all just stay exactly what they were when they started. Yeah, it's like a Henry Darger RPG. But it means, like, 90% of the time and nothing would want to go on adventures. Cause it's oh, like, yeah. Oh, what is this? I'm a Naros. What do you do? I live I ha- in the north. I hang out in these fucking, like, caves or whatever and chill. Okay, yeah. cool. Would you go on an adventure? No. I don't really like the other kinds of elves. And I, wh- no. 
Also, the worst one is the Limshow, because these are the elves that live in giant flying castles. Yes. And they believe that even going down to Earth will corrupt their pure essence, because they're like the purest of elves. They're the oldest, the most magical, whatever. They're basically a ladrin from 40. Mm-hmm. But they have this fear, and apparently the book is like, oh, no, it's true. If they go to Earth and walk around, they'll start losing what makes them them. And you're not, all of them, just to a single one, is like, oh, no, I'll never leave my flying castle. Yeah, the idea that they're presented as a playable race is a little weird. Like, there's some explanations for why you might go visit them. For example, they have a burial thing where all their elves have to be buried up on those flying castles. So if you come across the corpse of one of them, then it's like a really nice thing to take it up and <laughs> give it back to them. Some just fell off, and you're like, oops, a daisy. Oh, boy. Oh, no. oh, no, I touched it. Now it's mom will take mean, it back. I mean, racially, they shouldn't die from shortfalls. They have a whole. That's one of their racial powers. Is uh, if they fall, they subtract ten feet from the distance of the fall. Yeah, they got they got like light fall. Yeah, two of them have like gravity doesn't. Two of these races have like a, a gravity affects me a little less ability. Uh, they also they all have all these elves, all these fae have a shared u- couple of universal fae traits. Which what do you know? It they're elf traits. They have some Whoa. they have some immunities to charm and sleep as well as any kind of disease or anything. There's absolutely no disease of any kind could ever mar their physical perfection or beauty. They live forever, bibbidi-babbidi, and they only need to sleep for as quarter as long as a person does. Yay. And it's especially a light sleep as well. Yes, they're basically aware while sleeping. Okay, yeah. great. Finally, they have a two-damage vulnerability in 4th edition style games. That means that any time they take damage from the source, it adds two damage to fey iron. Yeah, so any cold iron stuff they're like oh no that's gonna hurt them real bad yeah you'd think the tekkens would would incorporate that heavily into their technology uh, technology and stuff they don't um yeah there's there's no gun that's like what does this do oh it shoots little like wrought iron tipped bullets or something like, yeah nope. no that's we, not- we decided nah we're gonna go with like a plasma gun that does a d10 yeah so okay let's let's go through the races real fast just to kind of give you a sense of what each one is uh the first one in the book is the Shiparin. Uh, they're wood elves, and we can just literally move on. Yeah. There's not much to them. When they become evil races, it they're evil fish monsters. <laughs> yeah, because any elf that spends too much time near the water becomes an aquatic elf. Yeah. Now, there are uh, four pages of stuff about each one of these, because it's all like their marriage customs and and their rate of gender uh, uh, determination. Like, notably the Thailand in particular, because they are the, they're the vampire ones. Uh, they're super sexy, and they make the best wives and husbands. Oh, yeah. But 85% of them are female, which is of particular note to certain human adventurers. Ugh. Ugh. Thanks. Yeah, great. I'm sure they all I hate dr- it. I'm sure they all dress like gothic lolitas, too. Come on, man. No, man. They just dress like gothy vampires. Uh, yeah, they dress like vamps. Yeah. They're all Elizabeth Bastory running around. Okay, next Bathory. Uh, okay, next one. Oh, and they get a plus two wisdom, plus two constitution. There you go. A lot of these characters have... Not the best uh, stat spreads. Yeah, it's honestly, the weird thing for me is most of the Fae get a wisdom bonus. Yeah. But then we took out, like, the The cleric. cleric And the paladin. And the paladin. I'm like, but the classes that need wisdom, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) This book was written after the second player's handbook comes out, because they actually give credits to the authors of the second player's handbook in, in the opening of this book. But they don't mention the the PHP two in the slightest. No, they're not like oh, and also make sure you don't use the Avenger and like, the Invoker, yeah, or, or the Shaman, I guess. They, they they don't 
make mention of those? Because you'd think that the with all these elves, Bard would be a really good choice. Well, you'd think Barbarian. the primal power source yeah. would be one that you're like, oh, yeah, no, that's fine. Like, the world is now magic. You just draw yeah. magic out of the woods. Yeah, so the shaman, the druid, the, the uh, barbarian, barbarian uh, those classes, and the uh, warden should all be perfectly fine classes to pick from. They just... They just blank on it. Yeah. They don't mention it in the slightest, which is kind of weird, given that they credit the existence of the players, the PHP 2 in here. But but yeah, that means that among these, because it only mentions PHP 1 classes, and it only mentions, uh, it mentions that these Ekin guys, these elves, can't take the, the four new classes, so they only have one kind of defender and one kind of leader. Yeah. Warlords and fighters. If you're playing in this world, because they really do go like, oh, you pretty much have to choose... Am I one of the magic people or am I one of the voodoo people? Yeah. <laughs> magic people, voodoo, voodoo people. people. No, if you're one of the tech people or one of the magic people, that's it. Like, you don't get to have a combined party because well, we'll the talk- magic people will screw up. Well, and, and there's actually codified people. rules for how they'll do it, which we'll get into. They're, yeah. they're terrible. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that's the Shaparans. They they also get a, a teleport, I think, is their racial encounter ability. Whatever. Uh, after that is the Damascans. They're the ones that are basically just elves. They're the society elves. They're the only ones of the Fae that are like, hey, we'll come hang out with you. And they've kind of been influenced by humans in that they're like, oh, we will take some of your customs, which no Fae has ever done. Yeah, uh, they have some really weird racial abilities. I think my favorite one is tachygraphy which is the fact that their language is really nice for writing down so they can write things down five times faster than anybody else. Oh, yeah. Well, they've basically just got the, uh, like, the stenographer. Yeah, they, they write in shorthand. Yeah. They're like court stenographers. But, I mean, it's one of those things where it looks really neat, but then you're like, what does that come up in game terms? Are you, like, scribing scrolls and combat conditions? What, what, are you, what are we talking about here? Yeah, well, I mean, if they're like, look, I need to illuminate this text real quick. <laughs> Hang on a second. I just need Sergio Aragonas these margins up a little. <laughs> there we go. Uh, their one little racial ability, their plus two dexterity and intelligence, which is a really good combination. Uh, and they get the gravity focus as their one racial like encounter ability, which is an increase to their speed and their acrobatic skill rolls that last until the beginning of their next round. Great. Great. Moving right along. We're going right through these. We're coming to the actually kind of interesting one, the Gimfen now. Oh, uh, the Gimfen are the only decent one out of these. They're Dex Charisma, and they have the power to t- to uh, not radiate an EDF field. Yeah, they're the only Fae that can actually hold technology, mm-hmm. and there's a specific group of them near York, where York was like, yo, if you can help us shore up our defenses and get these, like, old ridiculous cannons to work, yeah. then we'll share with you some of the old tech from humans and they're like fucking sweet yeah i want to be a fae that runs around in power armor so they're gregarious and they are smart and good at engineering and they don't break technology but when they adopt technology they do make it bigger bulkier and stupider looking automatically like that's the magic the way their magic interacts with technologies it turns it from like imperial guard tech to orc tech basically yeah, you well, you got to stick a lot of gubbins on there yeah. so that it doesn't get messed up by the ambient magic. Yeah, you got to put a bunch of hoses and shit on them, so all their gear looks like twice the size that it should, uh, and and kind of just looks racket, uh, ratchety. It's all, it's all fall aparty. <laughs> it kind of looks ratchet. It's not the best. <laughs> it looks like ratchet and clank. It looks like Nurse Ratchet. 
<laughs> yeah, so uh, there you go. I do also appreciate that they get one of their abilities because they're so lithe and quick on their feet is jump charge, which is that they can charge from one square away. Yeah, they're just like, fuck you, buddy. Here we go. <laughs> That's pretty neat. So Limshaw was the name of the place these people live and not the name of the species themselves. The next one is Laudinians. Ah, oh, Laudinians. That's right. Yeah, Laudinian Tomlinsons uh, get plus two wisdom, plus two intelligence. Great. So they're the smart, the smartsters. Uh <laughs> They get a they, their racial ability is called slide waltz, and it's one of those if I slide into a, share, a square adjacent to you, I can slide you into a square adjacent to me kind of things. Whee! Yeah, uh, and also they they don't fall down very hard. They do, they don't fall down. They'll weeble and wobble though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if they do fall down, they get back up again. You just can't keep them down. Oh yeah, yeah. Now one of the real interesting things about Limshaw is their whiskey drinks. <laughs> their vodka drinks. <laughs> Uh, moving on, <laughs> moving on. That's enough. They're the ones that won't touch the ground and are basically you'll never see one. Uh, the other thing you'll find weird about this game is the numbers, because they keep giving you like estimated population numbers of these elves. And you're like, oh, how many of these Laudinians are there? Oh, there's like 20,000. Uh, OK, well, where do they live in in floating sky cities that may or may not be over North America? OK, well, wh- why would they? How often do people see them? Oh, enough to know what they are and their customs and stuff. And I'm really? like, bullshit. That's like saying that, that everyone knows the customs and and uh, people of, like, Gary, Indiana. <laughs> Do you not? <laughs> They've got their own song. <laughs> yeah, so it, it, there's just not enough. And the Thailand are even worse. There's, like, a big 600, like maybe 6,000 or something of them. There's a tiny amount of them. Yeah. The... And honestly, it's the same thing even for humans. And it's not even counting like, oh, humans and bastions. It's straight up how many humans on Earth. And they're like, there's maybe two million. I was like, what? Yeah. And they say on Earth for that number, which means they are few and far between. Yeah. Uh, when you eventually learn that there are three million of the one kind of bad guy monster, you're like, oh, no. Uh, that, oh, oh, no. That's why there's not a lot of humans. There's no room for them. <laughs> Okay, the next yeah, one. Yeah, there's no room. Uh, I mean, there's five use... million people. Where five are you Five million? Them all? Goodness gracious. That's on the half, whole planet? That's half the population of Los Angeles right there. <laughs> <laughs> the next species is the Naros. Uh, Naroses look like Panthro. Yeah, they're little Panthros they're and they're dwarves. Yeah, and they're dwarves. But this is one of my favorite parts on the book uh, is they give, I want to say, two thirds of the description of what a Naros is to like. First, a first-person uh, talk from Anaros, and then some third-person description of how mad they get if you call them dwarves. And then they're like, look, they're not dwarves. They're not greedy. Yes, they mine all day. Yes, they live underground. Yes, they're stocky. They're very good at forging weapons. Yes, they get a plus two to resist the effects of poison. But they don't grow big beards unless they want to. <laughs> unless they want to. But they don't look like dwarves. They look like panthros. If anyone saw these guys, would be like, hey, hey, I remember Thundercats. Yeah. <laughs> look at that. It's a panthro. One panthro, please. <laughs> Every one of them doesn't know what the fuck a samaflange is. <laughs> I want to see your tits, my dear. Dropping the thing while while I'm talking? talking? Old memes. (laughs) Uh, They get easily the worst racial encounter power in the book. Uh, It's if you die, you get an extra turn to do something before you die. Oh, yeah. And it's not even like, oh, berserker rage and you do awesome stuff. It's like, 
hey man, maybe you uh, maybe you give a little speech. <laughs> it's not, and I should say it's if you fall unconscious. It's like if you fall to zero or less hit points by an attack, you can take an immediate reaction to make a melee or ranged basic attack in response to it, Woo! and then you fall down. <laughs> Great, good I, job. It's it's a it's a uh, you're already losing power is what you basically what you call it. It's a lose lose slower. Yeah, and especially because it's just a basic. You're like, boy, I sure hope I picked one of the feats that lets me use a actual power. The other thing about these guys that makes you real sad is that in a world where both cleric and warlock have been removed from the list, being plus two charisma constitution is Oof. not not great. Oof. <laughs> Sad babies. <laughs> Sorry, Naros. They're like, come on, just give me a bard. Come on, man. Mm-hmm. Give me something. Yeah, I mean, come on, let me, let me charisma constitution and make a great bard. Your species wouldn't bard in the slightest. No, your species hates barding and has never heard of it. Anyway, bye. Warlocks don't exist. You guys suck. Maybe you could run real good. Maybe you could be Naro runners. <laughs> Invade Area 51. <laughs> uh, and then finally of the playable races, the Tylen. Uh, the Thailand are the vampire elves. They all dress like goths. Uh, they are the nicest, like I mentioned, because they don't want their vampiric heritage to come back. And uh, their <laughs> their power is they can be a vampire real quick and bite you and get some stuff. That's exactly right. They have the ability Blood Surge, uh, which is a you use a healing surge and also pull some energy out of uh, some health out of someone. One of the things you'll note throughout this book is that the authors definitely wanted to make healing less prevalent in the world. Well, yeah, getting rid of the divine classes mm-hmm. and making it so that pretty much your only option is warlord or operator if you're a Tekken. Yeah. Uh, and then when you look at the characters, even operators are like, their their level two utility is let someone spend a healing surge. They gain half the hit points of one healing surge from this. Yeah, like, there's... Oh, dude, fuck you. There's a couple things in here that are i mean you have to pretty much just spend a power slot to enable healing no one has the minor just, action just that minor action basic healing which stuff means warlords is far and away the best healer in this game oh yeah oh yeah yeah it's the only good dedicated healer that can really throw real healing surges around a lot of the tekken classes can grant themselves emergency healing surges but nine times out of ten they've been nerfed in some weird way a lot, also, a lot of the Tekken classes gain... This is one of the new levers that they've added to the game. Spend a healing surge to do a non-healing thing is a fairly common power among the Tekken classes. Uh, uh, and, the, and the operator does this whole thing where he can grant people their healing surges, but instead of granting its surge value, it instead grant, grants the current bonus to the heal skill that the operator has in hit points recovered. Yeah, whatever your heal skill rank is, yeah, that's how many hit points they heal. So I haven't done the math on it to see like what's the max rank you could have at any given level, what's the general HP you'd have, but I don't know if it's it never a good or up. bad it, thing. It's bad. It's it's almost strictly a bad thing unless you're like doing some kind of weird skill stacking trick. Oh yeah, if you're like, what do you have? Oh, I've got some utility that gives me plus twenty to a skill for a round. Yeah. So what I do is I give myself plus twenty to heal, then I use my power. Yeah. Uh. So it's it's just it's just plain bad. Like healing is not what this game wants to be about. So it's kind of neat that these guys can drink blood for a second, even though they're totally not vampires anymore, you guys. Oh, they're totally vampires. They're just not mean vampires. Anyway, they're plus two wisdom, plus two strength, which makes them real sad that paladins don't exist anymore. Yep. <laughs> God damn it. Every yeah, time. It's it's just kind of a sad situation, isn't it? They'd also make great barbarians in that situation, but Lord knows those don't technically exist. Yep. 
they are the reason that they have the blood drinking for a power is that one of their racial abilities is they're really bad at healing. They're so bad. Hit point recovery from healing spells, powers, healing surges, rituals, potions, and any other healing effects you can think of, quit trying to get around this, are halved. Boo. They're not great playable race. They're not a great playable race. However, they're real good if you want to marry a sexy vampire. Hell yeah. All kinds of great stuff happens then. Uh, After that, we're done with the races, so we just get into a section about marriage. I swear, there's so much about marriage and what the, and the rules of it in here. It's insane, uh, including a huge chart for which ra- which uh, elf races are dominant compared to each other when it comes to breeding numbers. Yeah, they basically have a if two fey get together, there is an order of operations for what the baby will be depending on what the two parents are yes and whichever one is higher up in the dominance that's what the baby is fully there's no like half naros half damascan yeah you just get a damascan yeah and there's a little section at the very back of the playable races about humans and they have a new racial ability uh it's called saturation point and it's how magic you are and it's just a uh it's just a doom spiral track if you if you fill up your saturation point you become a magic human and you can't use tech anymore yeah and you have to spend, like, weeks without anyone casting a spell on you, you using anything magical, whatever. So basically, you just have to sit around in some bastion somewhere for a few weeks to have your points go down at all. Yep. Yep. Uh, the other thing is, oh, there is half-elf does exist. You can be... Humans are the only ones that produce a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they're not in the hierarchy of fey. Yeah, but then and- I don't... They're kind of bad. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Now, we should probably really get into the classes, because we've been going a long time about these elves. Uh, uh, so does the book. Yeah. The, the, yeah. No, really, it does. There are four classes you can play as if you're from the... T- or new classes you can play as if you're, if you're from the Tekken world. I believe they're the only four classes Tekken can be. It doesn't mention, like, oh, by the way, because these these classes don't use magic, feel free to take Fighter, Rager, Rogue. Uh it, it, any of the martial classes should be allowed. They don't get into that. No, there's no point where they're like, oh, yeah, sure, might you might go out on a mission with a few of these Tekken guys, and then one dude from the human city wielding a great axe, because why not? Well, there's a whole section on powerful human Tekken-style great axes, so I... They're, they're, yeah, guy runs around with a vibro axe. Yeah, there literally is no reason why some player can't be a fighter, uh, except that they don't specify whether they can or can't be. Yeah. So the four classes are uh, grounder, see, grounder, which is basically uh, you know you're in the what, what they call Rico's Roughnecks. Yeah, you yeah. are. You're, you're in frontline infantry. You either have a big two hand like you're using a minigun style Jesse the Body Ventura and Predator thing, mm-hmm. or you have uh, like a light weapon. Yeah, the problem I have with this class right off from the beginning is. Uh, Grounder implies that there's going to be like a whole bunch of like landing vehicles and 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 pilots and no just, man he's on the ground yeah they're on the no what I'm saying is their existence implies an additional group of people who are not on the ground and that is not borne out in the text it's just like how Rico's Roughnecks exist but also you got to deal with what Denise Richards is doing up in that spaceship <laughs> you know you know Denise's it, Softnecks yeah she, Denise and what's his face who played her like pilot boyfriend yeah the Softnecks. The, the, this grounder, and is then a, of course you have to deal with the long necks. Yeah, the, the long necks who are who have a whole economy based around tree stars that I just don't have time to get and into. Sarah, who's just the worst. Sarah again, the worst. 
No, grounder. It, it just to me the, tar- the the name sounds like it implies your space marine style infantry, but really you're just no. To me, it gunman. sounds like what do you do on the boots on the ground? That's me. I'm just the guy who I'm a grunt. Yeah, well, I'm just saying it because we don't currently call our own soldiers grounders. No. Because we don't really have a space army. Uh, but anyway, okay. So yeah, they are... It says that they are part defender, though there's not a lot there. They have the occasional daily power, which is like, oh, when you use this, you mark a guy for the entire encounter. Yeah, marks are hard to get for these Tekken classes. They're almost always single-use per-encounter marks. Yeah, you just go, all right, well, I mark that guy, and he's always marked. You know... I think, actually, you could be a fighter with these classes, because a lot of the marks you can get specifically mention that they also work with a fighter's challenge. Eh. Which, notably, is a weird choice, because, again, it means that you can't take any of the uh, the defender classes from the, the warden, which also marks. It never gets a mention in this book. No. They'll be like, oh, utility power. You can mark a guy. Also, you get the same benefit by marking that guy if you're a fighter. Not a warden, though. Fuck wardens. No, this only deals with PHP 1. Yeah. Now, their specific type is listed as... Uh, contr- defender slash controller, and that's it's more area denial than anything. Yeah, and that's sort of why they have a defender more than trying to like mark or block someone because they're a ranged class. They don't want to get near people. Yeah, but what they do have is ways to create like zones of difficult terrain or knock people away. There's some cool stuff in this class. Like, I don't want to go through it power by power because there's dozens of them, but some of them have the range of of uh, wall three. Yeah, like you just five. do a burst across something. Yeah, which is kind of a neat idea. The idea that these classes can, like, shoot walls of suppressive fire down. Uh, they are, their, cla- their weapon types come down to auto or non-auto, uh, which describes whether a weapon has an automatic function or not. And that's kind of the, you know how in in uh fourth edition fighter they'll be like oh this this power requires you to be using an axe yeah that's in the in this case it's auto or non-auto or heavy or non-heavy that are their weapon choices yeah you've got the uh operator which we've mentioned a lot which is just either an engineer which means you're basically just there so that when a magic thing hits you and fucks up your tech he can go like no it doesn't yeah, and they can they can try to fix uh, magical stuff that happens. Uh, they can also throw little machines on the ground. One of their class abilities is that they carry around a bag of repair parts. Yeah, they just have spare parts that they can use to repair things. Yeah, the, the ba- it's called widgets, and it's one of the stupidest class powers I've ever seen, because it's like you carry around a bag with 500 gold worth of otherwise useless crap that you can use to fix things, and you can put more crap in the bag at the cost of one gold per one gold put in the bag. Yeah. I'm just like, that's not, anyone could do that. What yeah, do you... I could just carry around a, never mind. Yeah, sure. <laughs> the, uh, uh or you can uh, do the, uh, medic route and do the whole, I'm a bad healer, but I'm a healer, so. so at least I'm healing. Yeah, at least there's something. Uh, you've got the marshal, which is leader slash defender, I think, and it's, it's basically a soldier, but also they yell at you. By the way, almost all these classes have the base, the, a lot of the same Atwell powers, uh, all of them, except for the sniper, who we'll get to in a second, or stalker, have double tap, which is just Ranger's twin strike. Yeah. There's also the one big thing all of the Tekken classes share, because they all have sort of little bits where they're like, oh, I get, you know, a plus one if I do whatever, or mm-hmm. I can ignore this as a, you know, just general passive thing for the class. But all of them get to pick 
one at will and make that a basic attack for yeah. them. Yeah, so if they ever are granted a ranged or melee basic attack, they can use their at will power instead. And grounders in particular are actually two. They, they pick two of them. Now, because all of these teching classes are always only going to be human, they the, it's all written with the idea that they have three at wills because that's a human bonus in fourth edition. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's the operator. You've got the marshal who's kind of like a... a he's, he's a gun warlord. He's a worse warlord, basically. Yeah. He's gun warlord, but instead of healing, he's just more gun havery. Yeah, he spe- he can spend he- make other people spend healing surges to like make attacks and stuff. He can also heal a little bit, but he is worse than the than even the medic. Yeah, he's just just a bad warlord, but he can go at range. Yeah, which warlords can do just fine, which which is weird. There's there's uh there's I think it's Bravio or a warlord. I forget which one it is. Be the bow lord, marauder lord, or something like that. Yeah, it's spears mostly, but yeah. Uh, okay, so then the last one is the stalker, which can go down like a sniper or a gun dancer type tree. Yeah, you're either a gunslinger where you use two one-handed light weapons that are guns, or you use a rifle with the sniper keyword. Mm -hmm. Now, the worst thing for me is one of the passive powers for the, the stalker is you normally roll dexterity for ranged attacks. Yes. Anything with a sniper keyword, you're rolling wisdom for, because you're not, like, firing from the hip, you're taking aim. Yes. However, <laughs> stalkers have, as a class power, oh, you can use dexterity instead of wisdom when you sniper, and you can use wisdom instead of dexterity when you're doing two guns, and there's, there's no reason you would ever have both dex and wisdom, you just pick one. There's even a feat you can take, specifically if you're a stalker that just cleans up any other incidences of dexterity or wisdom that not overlapping. Basically, if you're a stalker and you have that feat, you have five stats instead of six. Yeah, because there is a feat that just says uh, you can add sniper to anything you do. Mm-hmm. And you're like, cool. <laughs> yeah, and another one that says in any situation where you're shooting a ranged weapon, you can substitute wisdom for dexterity. I mean, you can do that anyway. Yeah, well, no, if you're a stalker. Yeah. I, mean, I think it might be a stalker only. But they're just like, yeah, we're, we're covering all the bases. If you want to not invest in dexterity at all, ever. If you want to be just a zero-dex sniper, great. Honestly, you can be a zero-dex gunslinger because you just substitute wisdom for it. Yeah, realistically, you should be a zero-wisdom whatever you're doing because you can still get your AC bonus then. Uh, oh, no, wait. No, I'm forgetting. In 4th edition, you get it from, from intelligence. As well, yeah. yeah. Huh, Int well. or dex. Yeah, so... Just dump wisdom forever or decks forever, I guess. Yep. Yeah. The the other thing is there like a couple of the classes were sort of like, oh, you're maybe a striker or something. They're the only ones that have an actual striker ability. Yes. Which is that when they use something with the sniper keyword, they however much they beat the defense they were going after by, you add a penalty to them. Usually it's a little ongoing damage. And maybe a status effect up to the point where you're like, oh, if I beat you by like 20, you're taking 10 ongoing damage and you're dazed or whatever. I do like that that effectively confirms that this is an open information rolling game. Yeah. That you're not rolling behind a screen because you have to know exactly what both people rolled to calculate the penalty bonuses. Yeah. You're like, no, I need to know how much I won by. So, yeah. so, so get your, get that, put that stupid sheet somewhere else. No, but Could that's always been things, Mark. fourth ed. Fourth yeah. ed was supposed to be full open information. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. Now, there are Paragon Paths available for these four classes. And they are split into absolute garbage idiot ones that do nothing and, and crazy, great ones. And crazy amazing ones. And there aren't nearly enough. Uh, 
is it, it, this is like we were saying it's really hard to write a fourth edition class when you open up player's handbook one and you flip it through fighter there's like four fighter prestige pass or paragon paths in there plus a ton more in the source books and stuff this has one each for each of the classes plus a few regional things that they might be able to get into yeah so you've got some that are based on oh you can take this if you're one of the fey like it's a particular race paragon path yeah you've got one for all of the tekken things and then you've got a few that are just sort of like oh you're a knight of abraham or something and what why that's if you're a human who went magic and then you decided to be a paladin but we removed paladins so you're of a paragon path for fighters that's basically paladin uh because you're a knight of abraham because that's what's left it that's the that's the What's the book, the movie where Idris Elba is protecting an old Bible? Uh, that's not Idris Elba. That's oh, uh, no. Denzel Washington, The I, Book of Eli. Thank you, thank you. What's the one where Idris Elba's doing it? Oh, that's called The Book of uh, Shut Up. Okay. <laughs> yeah, The Denz- uh, Book of Eli. Thank you. Uh, honestly, I'm at least happy I stopped and asked because I was going to say The Book of Henry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Idris Elba in The Book of Henry as Henry would have been amazing. <laughs> Hello, mother. <laughs> I mean, granted, he would die pretty early in it, but still, his narration would be fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was actually going to say regarding Henry. <laughs> I was actually going to say, oh, Henry, the bar. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, there's a few Paragon Paths. Some of them are fucking amazing. Other ones belie a, a lack of knowledge into how to design these. Mostly it boils down to pretty much every Paragon Path had a what happens when you use your action point. Mm -hmm. And some of the classes are like, oh, you can use your action point, and instead of getting an extra action, you can move once. And you're like, that's strictly worse. Yeah, that is, because normally those action point abilities in Paragon were when you spend an action point also. Yeah, it's usually, okay, you get your standard action, plus you get to do this. Like, it gives you a bonus plus two to hit or something. Yeah. And there are at least a handful of these paragon paths that are like oh you spend your your action point but all it does is it gives you some minor bonus to something else yeah that's a bummer that's terrible i don't want to give up an entire action to do that yeah no completely that's completely bad uh so those exist there's also a few for the classes that are fey notably the naros apparently invented (laughs) martial arts way back in the day like millions of years ago they invented martial arts yeah and they've got what is known as Doppelshido. Yeah, and also Ancient Wuxia, other two martial arts. Doppelshido is the ability to hit with a sword on the way down and also on the way back up again. Good. They've got, you get, because Doppel is, is, there's two, and Shido is... Some martial arts sounding word. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Doppelshido is the worst thing you see in here. And and unfortunately, the Doppelshido classes you can play as Naros are really good. Oh, yeah, the Doppelshido Paragon Path is so good and yeah I went, oh man don't it's, do that it's, it's a real shame it's got a racist pokemon name uh anyway um like i was saying before i want to talk about double tap which is just all the tekken classes except for uh stalker get basically twin strike which is the best ranger power yes uh but most of them also get an additional option which is accurate shot which is you can shoot one round from your gun with a plus two bonus or you can take no bonus and take two shots with double strike and they did not do that math it is always better to take two yeah i mean unless you're in a situation where you're like oh i have to roll like an 18 to hit and the plus hit this guy yeah yeah, the plus two is the only way i'm actually gonna get anything 
maybe it would have to be you have to roll a 21 or 22 to hit it'd be the only time it would be relevant otherwise your odds of rolling an 18 to 20 are better if you're rolling two dice than your chance of rolling a 16 or high it's it's bad and the stalker by the way instead of not getting i keep saying they don't get the uh double shot it's because they get triple shot yeah they take a minus two to their shots but they can shoot three times that's the at will power for them three shots yep and if they want to they can go ahead and make it a sniper, mm-hmm. and then even with the minus two, if they still beat you and hit you with all of those, the ongoing stacks. Yeah. So they're like, oh, I hit you three times, not very hard, but we'll give you two ongoing three times in a row. So now you got six ongoing. Yeah. They they Twin Strike is real powerful as it is. This whole this whole idea where they were like, uh, we're going to give it to all these classes because double tap's a, a classic. And this guy, because they're a little better at gunplay, gets a triple tap. You're like, whoops, nope, you shouldn't have done that. Oopsie doops. Half the, the stalker powers have quaternary, uh, quaternary attacks built into them. Yeah. Like, literally, you shoot one guy, you shoot another guy, you shoot a third guy, you shoot a fourth guy. The only reason we stop there is because no one knows what comes after quaternary. <laughs> Quintronary? Is it quintronary or petonary? Sextonary. Uh, is it, uh, do, are these real things? Septonary. Octonary. Uh, okay, well, they, they actually kind of make sense after a while, don't they? Yes. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's a weirdly designed, a little over strikery class. I didn't, I didn't mind any of these Tekken classes. I mean, at least the one thing is they have to deal with the fact that they might just get slapped by some magical beastie and their gun stops working. I know, because all these guys exist for, all the Tekken classes are like, all right, you form a party, it had better be all Tekken and maybe a Gimfen, uh, and then you go out into the world and you just shoot ogres and shit. Yeah, you're basically like, oh, we need to go on patrol to make sure nothing gets near our bastion to try and do nonsense. And everything you fight is is one of these monster categories of spawn, fey, or darkness, uh, which means that they are related directly to the Gate of Ixendar, the 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 place from which necromancy springs. Uh, eh, which means anyone who attacks you has this EDF field. So when you are fighting, and we should talk about the EDF field and how it works, and then we're I, I honestly think we might have to be done at that point. Eh. Uh, this is a big book with a lot of character crap in it. Um, EDF field. Every time you roll initiative, uh, and you roll initiative at the tops of rounds in this game, in this version of the game. Uh, every time you roll initiative, you also roll an EDF field check. It's a D20 roll that has parts of it are cumulative and parts of it are non-cumulative for the penalties. If you roll a seven or less, you discharge or you EDF pulses oh, go off. <laughs> yeah. If you roll a seven or less, a, uh, a pulse goes off and damages some of your equipment in a very complicated math heavy way where you have to figure out which piece of equipment gets damaged uh you get a huge minus if uh you're fighting a magic monster so that one's always going to happen well it's also if something even touches you like if a monster punches you and you're like oh well that monster got next to you and touched you with its magic hand yeah next time you roll it's gonna be uh it's gonna be really painful roll and then an additional non-cumulative minus one or two for each one uh member of one of the fey species that's in your party yeah so if you know you happen to be from one of the towns where damascans are actually like friendly and you go out with one they're just gonna make it way worse for you because your stuff's gonna break more often yeah. on a na- the it's supposed to roll low uh because you want to roll a seven or less or you don't want to roll a seven or less because that's when your shit fries however if you roll a natural 20 all your shit fries it's a, it's a bad roll. You don't want that natural 20. Everything's bad. They should have made that a natural one, because it's just increasing the number of faces on the die that are bad for you. Yep. Uh, so there you go. You have the four Tekken classes, and you just go off into the world and shoot shit. Monsters in this game are 
an monsters. Yeah, most of them are just elves. The orcs in this game are just bad elves. Yeah, it's what is this? Ooh, the Pagasindar tainted elves. Yeah, okay. the, yeah. And if they get short, they turn into goblin elves and or hobgoblin elves, which are called bogs and skegs, respectively. Yep. There's even a dog elf called the uh, the pug. <laughs> Uh, which is basically a house, like literally is a house elf. They actually just tell you in the book, this is, if you ever heard someone use the term house elf, that's what pugs are. Yeah, they're just dumb, and if you tell them to clean your house, they'll be like, okay. The thing that drove me the most nuts reading my way through this was they kept mentioning these Pagus guys, which are like the ultra-numerous, there's more than five million of them, evil orc elves that wander the earth. Uh, they have no, their lifespan is that they just keep getting bigger and crazier until someone puts them down before they wreck their own village. Yeah. Um... So they don't really have death points. They just keep getting bigger. Uh, and they're ruled over by a species called the Shemjaza, which are like one of Ixandar's primary servant types. And the Shemjaza get a lot of mentions, but no rules, stats, pictures. Not, we don't know what they are. Oh, well, eventually they're going to put out another. Well, I mean, they put out another book. They did. Yeah. And then you find out that they have, you know, uh, a very warrior ethic. You can. Mm. They've got. The ability to camouflage themselves, but they do need the white. And the, oh, wait a minute, that's the Gem Hadar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got me there. If anything, the the Pagus should be the Gem Hadar, and those guys should be the uh, what you call them, Vor- the founders, Vor- Vorta, or the founders, whichever one. Yeah. However far up the chain you <laughs> However want to go, however far you want to go. Yeah. So, so there you go. Uh, it's a game where you can go out into the. Honestly, a lot of this we're, we're being kind of harsh, but a lot of this is really interesting. I mean. I'm going to say this. The problem that usually stems for me from games like this, mm-hmm. where I just get setting fatigue, yeah, is it really does feel like this is something they wanted to write a novel about, but in a novel, you would slowly introduce these races and towns and aspects as you are learning the story. But for an RPG, it's just like, here's a rundown of every stupid name I made up. And you're like, that's not going to stick in my head. Yeah. Well, to me, and if I could, I'm just going to say one thing here as well. No, I think I'm, I'm, I speak for, for Jeff li- when I say, <laughs> <laughs> we can't use the original version of that story anymore because it's sad now. No, it's sad. <laughs> I know. Okay. Well, sorry, folks. You can't hear that story. Um, <sighs> the thing I would say about that is, you know how people made fun of World of Warcraft or uh, fourth edition for being World of Warcraft for babies? Yeah. This is Final Fantasy XV. <laughs> for babies. Yeah. It's got the same problem you have when you try to play Final Fantasy XV the first time, which is that that Ivalice or whatever it's called setting is extremely narratively dense. Yeah. They're like, oh, is this your first time playing this? We've had several games here, and we assume you've played them. Yeah. So here's the 14 races that exist. And as you can imagine, there's a lot of political intrigue. Oh. Uh, and here we go with all of it at once. Uh, okay. Uh, all right. Uh, yeah, that's it's that problem. It just it just hits you with a big wave of political intrigues and a wave of intrigue, <laughs> things that are 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 not okay to flash as, as friendly gang signs to other elf to elf species. You they're like, oh, if you put your hand up to some, that means a greeting, but to others, it means I want to fight you. And you're like, what? No, don't do that. Don't put that kind of crap in the game. Hey, you know how the middle finger sometimes doesn't mean the same thing, and like. A peace sign might mean fuck you in some cultures. I decided every elf has that. Yeah, that felt very... Pro- it's it's not problematic from any real-world perspective, but it's problematic from a game. It's just a gotcha. Well, yeah, because your players aren't going to remember that shit. Yeah, Even if they are one of those. They're like, oh, I'm playing as a Naros, 
And I'm like, oh, and I tell him everything's okay. And you're like, oh, do you? Because the okay symbol means that you think his mother's a whore. Yeah, it's it's a gotcha. It just exists to be a gotcha, and it's kind of, those are always problems when you find them in books. Yeah. So there you go. That's pretty much the game. Uh, yeah, like John said, there is a second book for this game that exists out there somewhere, and there's also a third book, which is the first two books slammed together. Just slam a jam together. Yeah. Uh, so maybe they detail more about, like, was it Southam or whatever that's South America and and like Loreoro that's Europe or something yeah and Ruskyville which is where the Ru- where, where Russia used to be <laughs> uh, there's an entire like Siberia and China and that entire mm-hmm. like Asia part yeah which is all just like Russia <laughs> yeah finally there's Australia <laughs> uh, yeah uh, so it's uh. John, what would you say is your favorite thing about this game? Because I'm tired. Okay, so my favorite thing about this, honestly, is just the fact that it exists, that anyone even tried. I know. I'm sure there's other 4th edition licensed games out there. This is the first one I've bought. This is the first one I've ever even heard of. Yeah. Like, I did not know anyone tried to do this, so I just love that it is around. Mm -hmm. Like, that's great to me. Like, if you were to strip this thing... Here's what I, I'm going to say. The classes are my favorite part because it's neat to see someone take the effort. And it's actually kind of cool to think, what if I stripped out all this stupid Eck and Tech and bullshit, just said that these are tech based classes and stuck them into a fourth edition game? Well, yeah. If you're like, what's this? Oh, I, uh, I've i got a guy. He's got a magic gun whatever. Yeah. And he just does this class. Yeah. I just switched it from gun to wand. And here I have one slinger man. What do you want? What do you deal? It's cool because this book's got a lot of play restrictions that. I would throw out the window, if I'm honest. Yeah. But yeah, the classes are my favorite part. They're they're not horribly designed. They have some interesting tricks when it comes to... Uh, I'd probably take three. the double tap, triple tap away from everyone. Oh, yeah. No, that, <laughs> n- not everyone needs twin strike. That's a little stupid. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the classes are cool. They're, they, and they work within the context of this game very well. Yeah. They can be modified for other games just fine. I think the triple, the double tap needs to exist because their healing is so bad. So they bad. They have but, to alpha. Well, that's... Only in this book. Yeah. I'm like, the second you go, oh, and a warlord goes along with them, you're like, oh, oh, great. Yeah. Okay. Uh, What would you say is the worst thing about this game for you? Oh, there are a couple things that are very annoying. Uh, The taking out the cleric and paladin and warlock instead of just saying, flavor it differently. And then also not having any classes that use those stats left while giving all the the races those stats. Yeah. That was real bad choice. (laughs) Uh... But I think, honestly, the EDF thing, I know that it's, again, 1,000%. It's, oh, but that's in my book. And yeah. that's a thing that pl- that the people have to deal with. The problem I- is it's one of those binary things. Well, you're like, oh, I'm playing as, you know, one of these Tekken guys, and we go out, and if I fail, then I just lose the ability to play my class? Well, I mean... Especially way- if it's like, I'm a, I'm a dude carrying around a big two-handed gun. Yeah. My gun broke. Well, the way it works is you have tech levels in this game, and your character's tech... Le- it goes from zero to six, which is coincidentally the amount to what you can get bonuses and magic weapons. So if you have a tech level three rifle, it's plus three to hit and damage. Yeah. And if you get disrupted, it drops to tech level zero, and it can still fire, but you lose all your bonuses for it and so on. And if it gets disrupted further, now it's completely jammed, doesn't work at all. Exactly. So uh, what I'm saying is, if you get to the point where you're like, 
cool. I've I've got a tech level six thing, and then oh, it's zero. I guess I can. Oh no, I can't do anything because yeah. literally my entire class revolves around shooting this weapon. Well, the, yeah, the problem was they introduced the sort of push pull between magic and technology. They made it visibly one sided. Yeah, there's no point where you're like. Oh, if a tech guy goes out there and shoots you with a plasma gun, your plus six longsword turns into a plus zero. Yeah, yeah, you can't demagic the people you're getting into unless they're Damascans. And uh, it's just sort of, it, it feels like the battle's already lost, and yet you're going out and fighting anyway, and, and, and to what end? There's like, there's not the push-pull that I feel like they were hoping for. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say I dislike that in a setting, it just it feels bad as a character. It's not a great D&D setting thing. It's, no, it's it's, it's kind of like... R- honestly, for an RPG setting, it is just a feels-bad mechanic, yes. and that's the problem I have. It's kind of like Preserver Defiler from Old Dark Sun, <laughs> where, like, unless... Like, oh, if you defile, you get superpowers, basically, but also everyone hates you, and you're like, oh, great, that's not really a moral quandary. It's, <laughs> it's just a balancing factor, isn't it? All right, so anyway, my least favorite thing about this game, I guess. Yep. Uh, obviously, I'm going to take the large chunks of it that are given over to whether or not elf you can... Boning. Elf boning and marrying. Uh, it's It feels extremely, like, it feels a lot like the author had a vested interest in that stuff, because it's so much. <laughs> like, it could have been, oh, by the way, sometimes you can marry them, and sometimes there's there's offspring this spread between both. And Okay, moving on. I mean, there is pretty much about a page worth of information that would matter, where it's like... Uh, just know elves don't generally like to marry humans, but when they do, they bond for life. This is a thing. Like, mm-hmm. you could do a general fey and human section. Yeah, but instead it's spread out among all the various fey races. And, like, and then also... let me tell you what it's like when you marry a dwarf. Yeah, and then also in the section afterwards for a little bit more detail. It's, it's just so much. Yeah. And, and I was like, okay, well, is this a game about marrying elves? Well, yeah, it doesn't add anything to the play experience. Yeah, because you can't marry elves if you're an adventurer, because they'll take your EDF field away. <laughs> you, oh, well, I, I mean, I, if well, you were a magic adventurer, you're I like, I'm a true. human that's a fucking fighter. Yeah. So the the game is at odds with itself in that in that case, because a huge chunk of it is given over to what happens if I marry these elves, and a huge chunk of it is given over to these are the classes that could never possibly marry any elves. Yeah, but that means you've got to It's like two games spell in one. And load your gun and make a choice. Like I said, the the uh, the tagline on this book makes it sound uh, open your gun. Uh, open or, your gun. Open your gun. Load your spell book. Yeah. <laughs> open your spell book, load your gun, make a choice is really pick one of those two things. Yes. And it, it, well, why do you own t- both of those then? What are, you, what are we doing? Anyway. Oh, man, it's one or the other. Yeah. It's Either one. open your spell book. Or load your gun. Make yeah. a choice. I was. I'll be honest. There's a small part of me that's that was grumpy about this book when I started reading it because it didn't. It wasn't like I'm a. You know, I got a. I got a book in one hand and a gun in the other, and I'm yeah, like, you didn't. You didn't get to be like a techno priest. Yeah, that it was, wasn't like. Oh, what do you do? Oh, I run out and I do magic bullets on people, and I'm rad. Yeah, yeah. I was looking for like black penny shot abilities and so on, but. I mean, it's not like I needed that. Not everything needs to be gishes, but no. I was not expecting the hard dichotomy. Yeah. Again, I just assume it's someone's novel that they made into an RPG. Yeah, it feels that way. Well, there you go. Uh, would you play this? Uh, I mean, I would just so I could play Fourth Ed again. I was going to say, this isn't a unique one because I'm not that I'd interested like, in the story. Yes, I would play that. Also, I would be a rogue. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck the nonsense you have in this book. I have a great idea for a rogue, so yes. <laughs> so yeah. I have a great idea for a warlock, so no. 
<laughs> I really wanted to be a paladin. Oops, a daisies. Can I reskin this? <laughs> that was a bummer to me that they were just like paladins aren't supported by this game because they have a religious power base. And I was like, just reskin them. They don't. Their, their power doesn't need to come from a god. Same thing with clerics. Yeah. Just be like, what is this? It's it's Heel basically wizards. just a wizard that. Or honestly, call them witches. Just be like, yo, it's because they have magic of the body instead of like magic of nature, which would be a druid or like magic of physics, which is basically wizard. Yeah. And warlock is easily the saddest one because it's like, oh, there's two huge sources of power that popped up. Hey, there's this gate that's magic and this other gate that's magic. And one's kind of evil and has this powers. And one of them is inscrutably alien good. Oh, well, I guess I can't draw from that. Yeah, that wouldn't make any sense. Get rid of that class. Uh, out of here yeah so not like warlock was like essential you still have an arcane striker in the core book wait no you don't sorry no, you don't. it's in the second one yep yep there we have it all right so uh i i guess i'd play this and i mean yeah mostly just because it feels like i have already achieved the necessary system mastery in fourth edition D D, where i could play this without having a big learning curve oh yeah i mean so, honestly i would probably play as the stalker just because their whole sniper thing is ridiculously overpowered. It's crazy, OP. It's true. So there you go. All right. Uh, thank you for listening. That's been the end of this weird book. Hell yeah, it has. Mm -hmm. Now I finally get to pack up these microphones because I am on my way to Gen Con. That's right. Not John, though. Fuck John. No. I'm just kidding. I'm not you. packing up these microphones. Because I'm the one who carries all the shit to Gen Con. Yeah, this is fair. Hey, you're the one who said you wanted to buy a big old suitcase for him, so that, whatever. That suitcase is enormous. I'd fit in that suitcase. Oh, yeah. That's um, a ridiculous suitcase. It is ridiculous. It's I'm, taking up too much space in your room. I'm a little worried that it's gonna, when I'm finished packing it, it'll be too heavy and I won't be able to I'll like pay extra to put it on the plane. You're like, oh, I guess I gotta pay an extra $50 to put this giant dumb bag in there. But I mean, here's the reason I've got such a big suitcase, John. It's because I have a dick the size of a shoe. <laughs> And I want to put it in my suitcase. I'm sorry. That was a diversion. I didn't want to talk about that. No. Uh, the reason I have the suitcase is because we're bringing out, we're taking out all the stops for what we're bringing to Gen Con this year. No more stops. No more stops. I, didn't, I am not packing we're any stops. We're non-stop. Yeah. We, we're the, sans a stop. We're going to get down. We're going to land. And we are just hitting the ground running our, right to the Airbnb and going to sleep. Our live show is heavily wrestling themed. And so we brought a bunch of wrestling accoutrement. Including a mat. Mm -hmm. A whole ring that oh, we're yeah. going to be in. We got a squared circle. We we got bells. We got refs. I got Jerry the King Lawler and Taz in that thing. I got a few foldable tables and mm -hmm. chairs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we got a couple of Dudleys in there to carry them around. <laughs> we got the works. I got a Jericho in here for some reason. <laughs> I have two out of the four possible Mick Foley personas. <laughs> uh, no, okay, so... We're doing a live wrestling show uh, this coming Friday uh, at Gen Con. So if you're coming to Gen Con, you haven't bought tickets to our stuff yet, let's let's make that happen. Uh, Friday is 12 to 1.30. That's our live show about wrestling. We've got an actual wrestler joining us. I mean, it's not about wrestling. It's about a wrestling RPG. It's about a wrestling RPG. Uh, Thursday, the Quizdom Mastery. That's 5 to 7. That's going to be a big fun thing. It's a live, big, fat quiz-style panel quiz show. Yeah, we got a bunch of guests. We've got video questions from RPG designers and stuff. It's it's all going to charity. Every every dollar that we're making in that one is going right to Trans Lifeline. Yep. And that's just going to be and also every person on the panel doesn't know shit about RPGs and so uh it's going to be it's, real it's, good. It's going to be mostly embarrassing and I'm going to have to like change a lot of the questions on the fly. Uh I love it. I love it. I'm so excited. Uh it's i feel mean saying that given that it's like james yeah james doesn't know shit about rpgs you hear that james <laughs> he knows a lot about the kind of rpgs that wouldn't make good trivia questions 
Yeah. If I was like, hey, in the extremely minor one-page RPG, giving kisses to boys. <laughs> How many boys can you give kisses to? <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's going to be an incredibly fun time. So please, please stop by. After all, you're helping a good, it goes to a good cause. Yep. Uh, and then we also have, I think, maybe one ticket left still to our, our random game. We've rolled it now. We know what the random game is. Yeah, I mean, we did actually have to get an adventure put together before we showed up. I know. Yeah, we did. Uh, and we needed to create materials and so on to bring with them. There was no, it was not going to be a thing where we brought our library Yeah, we weren't going to, like, <laughs> sit there with a pile of books and go, and now for you at the table. Hi, folks. I brought 154 books. <laughs> Let's figure out which one we will use. So we now, John and I now know which book it is. Oh, now we know. Oh, now we know. And, and um, we can't tell you yet, and we will not reveal it until you actually sit down at the table and play with us. One ticket remains for that. It's called, uh, I think, the Ar System Mastery Journey in the Archives. It's uh, You can find it by searching System Mastery. It's... Uh, on Saturday at Gen Con. There you go. Otherwise, support us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash System Mastery. Throw us a dollar. You get bonus content. What bonus content? Why the stuff we're just about to make? You're goddamn right we are. Twice a month we make that one. Sometimes three times. Sometimes. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, we're going to make we characters. Know. We know exactly what month it is every year. We're going to make characters and Amethyst. We are. We're going to make a couple of Amethyst characters and talk a little bit more about the process of creating characters in the game. Uh, and that's only at the dollar level. I mean, well, actually, it's at every level above a dollar. But it's it's at only the dollar level. Yeah. For only a dollar. For get, only dollars. For only a dollar, you get that level. Then there's a whole bunch more levels you can also unlock all the way up to good shit at five. Yay. So we also have some uh, some business to take care of as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I, uh, we've got a special little thing. We were joking around on Twitter, and uh, someone <laughs> contacted, or not really contacted as much as paid for Arms of the Tide to have a thing on our show, because apparently I don't plug it enough. If you don't know... Arms of the Tide is another show that I'm on. It's an actual play podcast where you can listen to me, and I'm the only one that matters. <laughs> Nobody else. Oh, I'm not on the show, so this isn't hurting my feelings in oh, the slightest. I know. I'm just waiting until Quinn listens to this. <laughs> so if you remember from our Gamma Crawl X series, Quinn was our DM for that, and he also runs Arms of the Tide. Uh, we've got a couple other really awesome ladies that are in there. We've got uh, Chanel and Josette. They are great. We are doing a custom setting. If you like cyberpunk with a very heavy focus on the punk, we're not just like, oh, we live in a cyber world and we do jobs for corporations. We are attempting to tear down the system. So if you like your cyberpunk with heavy punk and also some weird humor and very interesting races heavy punk and heavy cyber or heavy punk and light cyber oh it's it's light cyber okay heavy sexting how's the uh clint howard heavy business Ooh, we sprinkle that bad boy on there liberally okay good to hear all right just like our politics we sprinkle it liberally <laughs> uh, uh. so it's super good uh we've just finished up another arc there's not a whole huge backlog to go through so if you wanted to jump on uh it's super easy to get on so check out arms of the tide it's on the one shot network as well go ahead check them out you can go to the website for them or just 
Search Arms of the Tide. Yeah, super easy to find. Good podcast. Super easy. Barely yep. an inconvenience. Ah, come on. Don't drag that weird thing into here. <laughs> oh, it's not that I hate it or anything, but it's very corporatized. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Plugging Arms of the Tide is tight. There, I did it. <laughs> there we go. I, I did the thing. We did it. Yeah, okay. Uh, here we go. I've got an ad read to do as well today, John. It's for a podcast called Nerdily Ever After, and I just have a thing to read because it turns out I'm not I'm not on that podcast. No, it, as so, it turns out, oddly enough, not on that podcast. I, I, I just got paid to do this. I did not have to be publicly shamed. <laughs> yeah, I, I I had to be publicly shamed and paid to do this. <laughs> Uh, ever wanted to go through different movies, TV shows, books, tabletop wargaming, RPG books, and various other bits of nerd culture, but don't have the time? Why not also get them through the eyes of a married couple and get some different perspectives on these various bits of nerd culture? Well, I then, love perspective on bits. I do love perspective on bits. I like seeing it from the bottom. I like seeing it from the side side areas. Oh, give me some side bits. Yeah. Uh, then check out Nerdily Ever After, a married couple podcast that has nothing to do with being married, but everything to do with all things nerdy. Join JJ and Michelle as they share various bits of nerd culture and give their thoughts and opinions regarding them. Like them on Facebook to stay up to date on current episodes. So once again, that's Nerdly Ever After. You can just search for that. Easy to find. You know, my nickname was JJ until I was in like sixth grade. Was it? Yeah, I went by JJ for the first like half of, or small chunk of my life there. Yeah, I went by David until high school. Really? Was there just too many Johns? Yeah, there were... Two other Johns and a Jonathan in my class. Yeah, I of was, like thirty kids, there were four Johns. There were enough Jeffs in my my Jeff? uh, elementary school, <laughs> Jeff, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, that there was also a. I went by Jeff A, and there was already a Jeff A. Yeah. So uh, JJ was me in fifth grade, and the then, other Jonathan in my class had the same birthday as me too. Oh, it's rough. The Jeff, the other Jeff A, was like one of my best friends growing up. It was it, luckily he was a G off, and so that's what I usually call Goff. him. Guff. Not my, not my sweet, sleek Jeff with with the missing F. Yeah, uh, but uh, but you gotta yeah, cut that I, other F off. I know. so that it's aerodynamic. <laughs> yeah, it could be a, he could be a Gioff. Uh But but uh, <laughs> you take the F off, it makes the name go faster. Yeah, uh, oh. also I painted my name red. But no, I was a JJ up until sixth grade when I moved here. There was a girl JJ. And, oh, well, there you go. And not, and not any Jeffs. So I was like, oh sweet, I can slide right back into my my real name. Awesome, no Jeffs. Mm-hmm. Although. One of my friends that I made in elementary school would still call me David, like, up until college. Yeah. Like, call the house and be like, hey, is David there? And my parents would be like, what? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. I have, a, I have a buddy like that where I still call him by his childhood nickname and he gets mad at me every time. Yeah. Actually, I, I haven't talked to him in years, but, but, he, but if I would, I'd be like, what up, man? And he'd be like, no, don't call me that. Call me my actual name, which is Chris. Do not call me the weird nickname I had as a child. <laughs> But see, I have another friend who I think might still go by Goat Boy. Wow. To, to this day. Wow. Named so because he actually had a pet goat. That was the only reason for it was he was the boy with the goat. So he was Goat Boy. And eventually that just got shortened to Goat and everyone just called him Goat. And it was his, I, he might still be Goat. Man, I I'll, mean. I'll, I'll the truth, I don't even know his real name. That's, honestly, if I had been given a nickname like Goat. I would totally still be using it. I mean, I'd also be a burner, but I would I totally say, still yeah. be using it. If your name's if your name's Goat, then you probably have opinions about motorcycle parts. <laughs> Yo, what up? I'm Goat. <laughs> I'm ready to get down to the fucking playa. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm weirdly rich. <laughs> I don't know how I managed to spend several thousand dollars every year on this, but here we go. <laughs> 
Uh, that's just a couple. That's just because the couple of burners we know, most of them are like biotech engineers in the meantime. Yeah, it's very weird. Yeah. Hey, you, anyway, need that re- you need that release. Plus, if you're named GOAT, then you can be like, nowadays you could say it's just that you're the greatest of all time. That's true. Yeah, I wonder if he's doing that I'm nowadays. I'm the GOAT. I mean, there's no way he is the greatest of all time. That dude hit a mailbox or a uh, a stop sign in my garage, and I had to move, and I was like, what the fuck am I going to do with a stop sign, you a-hole? <laughs> you just got goaded. <laughs> Yay. Okay, well, anyway, there we go. That's the end. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> We're done. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time with more System Mastery, which, by the way, will be the live Gen Con episode. Fuck yes. Good night.